Good morning, everyone. I'd like to speak to you today about listening to the right voices. The first psalm begins with the words, Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. By that, the psalmist means that happy is the person who does not get his information, his advice, who does not take telling from, whose source of wisdom and instruction is not from those who stray from God and disobey God's word. But the psalm remarks instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord. The simple remark by this introduction to the book of Psalms is a very layered statement, and it is giving a view of life and reality, which is the, which is the philosophy not only of the book of Psalms, and indeed of the Old Testament, but is in fact the philosophy of life or the worldview of the entire Christian and Jewish scriptures. It is that there are only two types of people in the world, those who are blessed and those who are not. The critical difference between the two groups of people, those who are blessed and those who are not, is to whom they listen is where they get their advice and instruction, from where do they form the models and paradigms for their lives, their wisdom, their cue, their instructions, where do they shape their values and make their choices. That is what determines who is blessed and who is not. In fact, the, Jesus in responding to the first temptation from the devil in the wilderness quotes the book of Deuteronomy on which the first psalm is based by saying, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, the elixir of life depends on your source of instruction and advice. Material things, including physical sustenance, are not nearly as important and as vital to life as are the values and ethics, the mores and groundings of your life. And the source it is being suggested in the words of Jesus and in the introduction to the book of Psalms, Psalms ought to be the word of God. The psalmist says, because his delight is in the law of the Lord, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His life is marked by stability, by vitality, and what is translated here, prosperity. But the word prosperity mixes the metaphors. Trees do not prosper, they flourish, they bear fruit. This is what the lot of those whose advice comes from the word of God. Their lives flourish, their lives are fruitful and impactful and amount to much. Modern people, by reflex, tend to differ with the psalmist in Psalm 1. Modern people pride themselves in being eclectic. They are confident that they have the ability to pick sense out of nonsense. They can gather information or advice or instruction from anywhere they please. They tell themselves it is up to them to pick 
and choose and make their own choices and decisions. We also have a kind of view of truth and wisdom as abstracted and disconnected and being inherently self-validating. Although the sociology of knowledge has rendered that view obsolete, there are underlying assumptions that must be taken account of, and there is contextual moorings that are important to understanding what is being said and the advice being given. We also tend to see truth and advice as purely technical matters, but the older we get, the more we see how all of life is connected. Sometimes the connection is not as apparent, but the disconnect often catches up with us when all we can do is to express regret that we did not take everything into account. The other way in which modern people tend do not wish to accept the view of the psalmist that it is a source of your advice that matters is that they do not believe that the Bible or the Word of God is broad enough to be a source of insight and wisdom for their modern reality. They think the issues of, modern, of the modern world are too complex and varied and life has changed profoundly in relation to the small world agrarian life of the world of the scriptures. The world of technology, the world of space exploration, the world of nuclear fission is too sophisticated for the world of the scriptures, let alone the advice that the scriptures stand to give. But perhaps we should not be so sure of that. We are now faced with a global pandemic, a simple virus, and it has grounded the world of spaceship and airplanes, of smartphones and digital money. The world is reeling, as modern as it is, in the same way as it did when it failed to halt no less than the Spanish flu that killed 40 million people in 1918. And the solution being proffered, the solutions being proffered are the same basic hygiene and covering your mouth when you cough, cough, the same as they did then. So maybe the more things change, the more they remain the same. Just maybe the world of the Bible and our own world have more in common than we think. People have not changed that much and the choices remain the same or at worst similar. A much more difficult question is how do we know what is the word of God? This is how the book of Deuteronomy framed that question in Deuteronomy 18. How can we know when a message has been spoken by the Lord? How do we know whose advice to take and who to trust? What test might we apply? This is the question to which Deuteronomy addresses itself. Indeed, it is the question of who is a true prophet and who is a false prophet and the stewardship and fidelity of God's people to God's word that frames the history that is being told in the Old Testament. Three criteria are on offer. <clears throat> the first one, which is in the book of Deuteronomy, is that we know, we know who is a true prophet and who is speaking the word of God and whose advice we must take based on the accuracy of their prediction. When the same when the saying comes does come true, 
sorry when the same th something when they say something does it come through does the word match the long arc of history is it validated and corroborated by historical experience it must not merely ring true it must come true if you find yourself having to make up excuses for inaccuracies untruths and falsehood and unfounded claim then something is wrong with the message that is the word of a false prophet you must not take his advice he's not speaking god's word the word must be true and must be borne out by reality it must come true the second test is also from the book of deuteronomy it is that when the advice is given if it is followed it will not cause people to stray to make bad decision to make a mess of their lives to end up with regret in the old testament the advice given that the word obeyed ought to result in god's people fulfilling their covenant obligation when they follow the advice they are loyal and faithful to their moral and spiritual obligations this is the effect that it ought to have it must not lead to idolatry causing people to overreach themselves it must not lead to immorality causing you to compromise your standards it must bring out the best in you calling you to strive for the deal for the ideal it must appeal to your better angels your nobler and better self the third criteria comes criterion comes to us mainly through the prophet jeremiah Jeremiah performed his ministry in a particularly difficult time in Israel's history and faced great pressure and opposition and persecution. Jeremiah prophesied near to the Babylonian exile. His people, the nation of Israel, were at a time of moral and spiritual collapse. The institutional capacity to give moral direction and leadership to God's people was low and Jeremiah called attention to this, prophesying as a result of this moral deterioration, the destruction of the temple, and the exile in Babylon. Because he faced such brutal opposition and rejection, he engaged the question of the authenticity of his own prophetic witness. The critique he offered has helped to determine a third criterion for validating who is speaking and what is spoken as the word of God. In validating the advice we are receiving, we must consider the advice itself is it accurate will it come true can it stand the test of time we must consider if following it will help me to do the right thing will lead me in the right direction in addition jeremiah raises the question of the messenger what is the source what is the motive what of the integrity of commitment is the messenger seeking something is it a means to an end is it mere bluster is it mere public relations? Both in the book of Jeremiah and the book of First Kings, we are assisted in paying attention to certain qualifying features of the prophet who speaks the word of God in the name of God. First, there is a direct access to the throne room of God. When the prophet speaks, the prophet must, prophet must not merely be repeating hearsay or copying anyone. Have they drank from the fountain themselves? Have they heard God speaking to God and speaking to them by name? Isaiah said, 
I saw the Lord. Micah ben Imla said, I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne. Amos said, the Lord took me from tilling sycamore figs and said, go prophesy to Israel. The second is that the messenger must display a real solidarity with the people. The prophets do not take perverse pleasure in pronouncing fire and brimstone on God's people. They intercede to God on behalf of God's people. They pronounce judgment reluctantly and conditionally. They feel themselves to be one with the people to whom they are proclaiming the will and the word of God. Thirdly, the true prophet is marked by a moral courage. They are marked by courage to speak the truth without counting the cause. The courage to call evil by its name, whoever the evildoer is. The courage to speak up even when they are a lone voice crying in the wilderness. They are not wagonists or entering into a popularity contest. They have the courage to withstand opposition and persecution and exclusion. Fourthly, the true prophet is marked by a commitment to hope and therefore to call God's people to change, to renew, to repent, to be their best and to do their best. They are not soothsayers trying to find something nice to say or trying to win friends and influence people. They are trying to lead people to a better place that will lead to flourishing. But to demand that they change and change course in order to get there. When they look at the messenger, they lend credibility to the message because of what you see in them. When they get their message and how they are as members of the community, look at the life of those from whom you take advice. When we follow the true prophet, seek advice from the right place, it will help us to make sense of the absurdity around us. It will help us find purpose when all hope is gone. It will guide our steps and point in the direction we ought to go. And above all, right advice and the true word of God will cause us to keep going no matter what. Without the true voice of God, we will think it is the end of the world. But when the word of God comes to us, we will know that the end is not yet.